This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There is so much that we're going to get to today. Let me first start by saying thank you to all of you who have responded through uh, Facebook, through Twitter, through your emails and calls to uh, the tragedy at my alma mater, MSU, Michigan State University. Uh, Many of you have offered prayers, uh, condolences, and uh, certainly our community needs that. Uh, Over the next week or so, I'm going to uh, be hosting a series of events in chapels with uh, students and teachers and uh, members of the MSU community. Um, And so continue to pray. The the, the hurt is deep. The uh, pain is real but also the love of Jesus is tangible. And I'm so grateful for the work of the church in this area. So thank you for your response. Continue to pray. Today, I want to talk about a very important question that's on the hearts and minds of many. And that is, are we in the end times? One of the things that the Bible uh, indicates and communicates is that there are certain signs of the end times, such as an increase of evil in the hearts of men, signs in the heavens, are an example of that, and earthquakes as well, uh, we're told in Matthew's gospel, are a part of the signs that let us know the end is approaching and is upon us. Well, recently on February 6th, one of the most devastating earthquakes that we have really ever seen in our lifetime took place in uh, Turkey and Syria. It's a 7.8 magnitude earthquake. I want to talk to some of the folks that are on the ground there doing ministry and representing Christ. I'll start with Mark. Mark is uh, an alumni, and uh, along with his wife, Chris, they've lived in Turkey for the past three decades. Uh, They've walked with the Turkish Evangelical Church from the time it was in its infancy, about 300 believers, to today, well, over 10,000 believers. Uh, Mark is joining me today. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, Chris, thanks. I'm doing great. Mark, can you just start by helping us understand the scope of the earthquake and how much landmass we're talking about there and just the impact? Right. Yeah, Mark, it's massive. Uh, If New York City were to be the epicenter, it would go from Boston to D.C. with over 13 million people affected. It's massive. And I think the latest toll that I've heard on lives lost, and I know it's still being counted, is about 40,000. Is that right? You know, that's what the uh, official number is. Uh, Just with the number of buildings that went down, it's probably closer to... 150 to 200,000 people. Wow. Uh, wow. I know of 40, uh, in one, 40,000 in one city that have died. Wow. So, yeah, the numbers are a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is uh, devastation beyond what many of us could even fathom. 
if you wouldn't mind, just talk a little bit about um, the the work of the church there. What do you? How, how are Christians reacting to this tragedy? This is uh, incredible to watch the uh, the Turkish church step up to the plate on this. Uh, as you know, uh, and Antakya is where Christians were first called Christians, and and so the the Turkish church has really stepped up to the plate. They have uh, people going in doing soup kitchens. We have containers being uh, sent in to help. We have rescue teams being sent in. Uh, we just sent in a hundred walkie-talkies for people to use. So they're they're doing an incredible job of of coming to the aid there. Yeah, I mean it, it is one of the amazing things that out of the ashes there are um, glimmers of beauty that point us back to the transformational power of, of the gospel and the light of Christ in the midst of the backdrop of the very bleak moment that has uh, touched uh, your part of the world. I, I do recognize that for so many Christians, they they really feel paralyzed when they see something like this. It feels so overwhelming in its magnitude and impact. So I want you to talk to our listeners about how we can help in a very practical way, and and even some guidance that you can give us on how we can pray effectively in this moment. Yeah, uh, one of my friends, Ismail, he has stepped up to the plate. He buried five of his family in the morning. I called him to offer my condolences, and he said, Brad, I'm, I'm still, I haven't left the work of the church. I, I've got soup kitchen going this afternoon. Wow. Uh, another girl said, I'm gone, but my body uh, is here but I am gone. My body is here, but I am gone. Wow. And so I think the the Church of America can financially give to help us overcome this. And uh, I think we can send in counselors and give the love of Jesus back in a tangible way to these people. Uh, so giving to Christar.org is an incredible way to, to financially give. And we just love your prayers, man. Pray for these people. There's some intensive things that they have seen. And so they're going to yeah. need counseling to help them walk through that. Well, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate your team. I know in the midst of um, caring for others, the reality is you and the team have been deeply impacted. Please deliver this message for us to our brothers and sisters in Turkey, that we who are here in America, the uh, that are followers of Jesus, that we love you, that you are in our hearts, that we are praying for you, and that we stand with you even in the midst of this disaster. We'll also put uh, org on our website so that folks can see the ministry there and know how to support. God bless you. Thank you for joining me, okay? Thank you. You have a good day. Um, next, I want, I'm want i joined by an expert in relief effort, efforts. Nick Wiersma is joining me. Nick is the Senior Vice President of Community Engagement for Convoy of Hope Disaster Services. Many, many people know of the work of Convoy of Hope. They really are best in class and first responders in disaster wherever it strikes. Nick has served on disaster, on the disaster team for nearly 15 years and has responded to many disasters domestically and internationally. Nick, I cannot tell you uh, enough how much I and many appreciate the work of Convoy of Hope, such an important ministry of the church. Thank you so much for what you're doing. God bless you, Nick. First, let me start by saying thank you. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm well. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for having me. 
Um, it was good to hear from her brother there in Turkey as well. And um, I'm domestic uh, at this moment. Uh, yes. We have team members there. And um, but yeah, I can I can speak to what's taking place on the ground there. Um, let's, I've been been to many been to many earthquakes, so I know the setting. Yeah, let, let's talk first from um, maybe even a theological perspective. For many, there's a paradox here, Nick. A paradox between um, the sovereignty of God and His goodness, which we celebrate, and I even acknowledged at the front end of this program, we serve a good God who is sovereign over all. But yet, on the other hand, uh, these disasters that happen, these devastating moments, how have you reconciled the fact that God is good and sovereign, but yet these disasters and devastations happen? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for uh, agencies like Convoy of Hope and others that do respond to disasters or even first responders, um, there's a tendency to um, feel a little hopeless. Um, in moments of I can only do so much, but recognizing that uh, for those moments, we're able to do what the Lord's asked us to do. So oftentimes I'll share with volunteers and our team and, and ministries and churches, you know, you know, Job 37 speaks to the sovereign hand of God. Like you said, you know, every wisp of wind, every drop of rain is ordained by the hand of the Lord, whether for blessing or curse or shows love upon the land. And, and the paradox of that, of that passage is first John five nineteen, which speaks to, we are of the Lord, but, um, you know, the world is in the, hand of the, uh, in the hands of the enemy for a season. And so this paradox of truth and, and when large disasters of this nature strike, um, you know, ministries and the local church is always in the middle of that paradox of truth, of great victories, of helping people and showing the compassion of God, and then great tragedy all at the same time. And they all, and they all happen in the same moment. Many of our listeners are supporters of um, convoy of hope and um, know the good work that you do. But for mm-hmm. those who don't, what is uh, what does yeah. your response entail? What does it look like in the aftermath of a moment like this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that question. So we have a handful of team members there, and it's only going to grow. And we're going to continue to send team members back and forth. We'll work with our partners there in Turkey, and thankfully Syria has lifted the sanctions. Um, as far as allowing aid, you know, it, it's a it's a complex situation, far more complex than domestically. You know, there's a lot of Syrian refugees on the south side of Turkey due to wars that took place in the past. And disasters play out in phases. And so our team will go in uh, with finances to purchase locally, secure trucking, secure safety, uh, purchase product, get into the hands of, of our partners. Um, and then while that's taking place, we actually already have containers on the water. We actually have cargo in the air. Um, and so we go in strong in the front side with finances to purchase product, get product moving, get product into the hands of the people that have affected. Uh, all the while, we're basically buying time, uh, distributing aid while the product on the water and the product in the air uh, comes to um, hit ground in Turkey. And so and then we just carry on and we're going to continue to do as much as we can, as long as we can. Um, you know, my, our goal is in the immediate sense, you know, to serve over a million people. Um, we're still active in, in Ukraine. Um, which hits in late February yeah, 22. Yeah. So we're still working there as well. Yeah, I mean, you guys have teams that are that, that are spread out. Um, for mm-hmm. you personally, having lived through this, there's it's so easy to lose hope. And, and, and this is kind of where I'll end. How has Nick Wiersma held on to his hope even through this? Yeah. Yeah, what, I get, you know. What's been your anchor, brother? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, those passages of Scripture have been our anchor, and at the same time, just showing just showing the goodness of God to others, um, you know, in a very practical sense of seeing people in need. You know, even in this situation, our team members are going to be distributing, you know, blankets and hygiene supplies, baby supplies, food, water, um, clothing, socks. Uh, obviously, the weather's cold there. Uh, myself, I have I have been through many earthquakes because I've gone in Indonesia, Chile, Haiti, the Philippines, Japan. And I've been there on the backside of multiple shocks, um, of aftershocks and such. And so, um, but knowing what the purpose of it and behind it is and recognizing that there's people that have need, we want to show the compassion of God. We want to, um, we really want to support the locals as much as we can. We recognize the need is vast, but we also look at our partners as well, recognizing they need a friend to come alongside them. So it's not just the finances and the goods. Uh, it's a friend. It's it's a prayer. It's a smile. It's a handshake. It's letting it's letting our brothers know and sisters know that they're not alone. Yes. Even as you so eloquently shared in the beginning, that you're not alone. We're in this together. Um, and just because there's geographic boundaries and thousands of miles in between us, it doesn't mean anything in the kingdom. So we run alongside our brothers and sisters as much as we can, and that's a huge piece of the response. I want to pray if I could for you, for your team, uh, for Mark who was with us earlier. For the believers in Turkey, uh, if I could, I'm, I'm going to pray, Nick. Mm-hmm. Father, yes, thank you so much for our friends at Convoy of Hope. Thank you for Nick and his leadership. Thank you for Mark, who's there right alongside the church, the believer, believing community. I pray that you would receive the glory from even uh, this tragedy, Lord, that in the midst of all of the pain and grief and brokenness, that your love and your goodness would be seen tangibly through your church. I pray that you would strengthen uh, the believers that are there. I pray that we who are here in America would show our our solidarity through our generosity, through our prayers. May we remember our brothers and sisters who are suffering even now. And, uh, Lord, please preserve life. Uh, please, uh, Lord, minister your grace. And, Lord, we pray that the gospel would spread, that um, there would be a move of the Spirit that will cause a generation of men and women in Turkey and Syria to turn to Christ uh, even through this. So, Father, for, to you be the glory. Again, may your hand of blessing be upon Nick and Convoy, upon Mark as well and upon the believers in Turkey as they uh, represent you until all have heard, until Christ returns. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Chris. God bless you, brother. Friends, I wanted to give you um, just a sense of what's happening in Turkey uh, so that you can pray, so that you can be aware of what's happening in Syria. Please continue to pray for those devastated lands. But the broader question that I want to take up today is how do all of these things point to the end times? What do they communicate to us? What are the end times? Maybe you've never even heard that term before, or you're wondering, what are the signs of the end times? Well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, the rise of evil, COVID-19, do, do, do these fulfill Bible prophecy? And uh, what does the scriptures have to say? Everybody has an opinion about the end times, but there's only one opinion that matters, and that is the Word of God. And so we're going to look at scripture, and I got a great guest on the other side of this break. 
Charlie Dyer is going to be joining us. So don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. really teach about homosexuality? Did Jesus mention it? Aren't the Old Testament laws null and void? These are questions many Christians face and we must all be prepared to answer. That's why I want to recommend to you Is God Anti-Gay and other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and same-sex sexuality by Sam Alberry. Request a copy today when you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I recognize we are only here and able to broadcast every day because of the amazing generosity that is shown through God's people. So I want to say thank you uh, to those of you who stand with us prayerfully and those of you who express the grace of God through your generosity. I'm going to ask a favor of you today to partner with us in the spreading of the good news of Jesus. When I think about what our community here needs in the aftermath of the mass shooting at my alma mater, Michigan State University, when I think about what Turkey and Syria needs, I'm reminded of the importance of Christian radio. I'm reminded of the importance of gospel communicators. And I'm also reminded of the importance of the generosity that comes from men and women just like you. You know, the average gift to support the program is about a $30 gift. It really boils down to each one of us doing our part that makes the difference. It allows the bright light of the gospel and the megaphone that Christian radio is to broadcast the salvation that comes through Christ alone. So I'm going to ask you, if you've been blessed, if you have been a regular listener, maybe you've never given before, it'd be great if we could have maybe 10 first-time givers today, those who have been listening, and so many studies show that there are many that are listening that benefit, that grow, that have yet to give, and maybe your heart has been yearning, that, man, I love to give, but you just haven't had the opportunity, please take advantage of this opportunity, whether it's a $30 gift or God lays on your heart more, whatever you can do, even if it's a, a $10 gift, again, it's just all of us doing our part. Can I give you this number? Call now. If you've never given before, do it today. 888-644-4144. Shirley did it from uh, Taylor, Michigan. Thank you for your gift. First time giver. I would love for us to have 10 first time givers today. 888-644-4144. So here's my question to you. What does the Bible say about the future? Maybe you've been wondering that. Well, Charlie Dyer, Distinguished professor, uh, served as provost and once was dean of education at Moody Bible Institute before he became professor at large of uh, the Bible at Moody. He has a background and is a noted authority as an Old Testament scholar and uh, an authority on the Middle Eastern, on Middle Eastern history and geography. He has written a book with that title, What Does the Bible Say About the Future? 30 Questions on uh, Bible prophecy, Israel, and the end times. Charlie joins me today. How are you, Dr. Dyer? Chris, I'm great. It's it's just a pleasure to be with you. It is always a joy to have you because questions abound. And I want to get real practical, real personal. When we see things like a mass shooting or an earthquake in Turkey, 
uh, are these signs that point to the end times to you? Not directly. Uh, and I say that be, for this reason, uh, we know ultimately there are signs that the, the human condition and the sinfulness of the human heart is real. And it also is a reminder that Satan's real and that there's a conflict that goes on in the cosmos beyond what we can even see between Satan and God. Uh, and that God is working his plan. There, there is an end time coming. There's a final event that Jesus is going to return and events are going to work toward that end. But uh, often what we're seeing are the, uh, the after effects, if you will, the aftershocks of uh, man's sinfulness against God and this, the rebellion by Satan. And we're just watching these aftershocks play their way out uh, day by day, sadly, uh, throughout the world. I love that answer, and I love that you temper that answer because the the reality is, is there's so much wild speculation out there, and I know you've seen it. As a matter of fact, I think your your book provides us with clarity in a in a time where there's so much confusion about Bible prophecy and about end times. So let's just get to some basic definitions for our listeners. Number one, how would you define the end times? And are we in them right now? Well, I've seen people go in a lot of different directions on this. You know, they try and find uh, the tiniest detail uh, being a sign of the time. You know, they, they uh, put their own speculation in the Bible. Others go in the uh, opposite direction with that. Uh, in my mind, when we talk about the, uh, the, the last days of the end times, technically they, the end times started uh, at the first coming of Christ. It was God's mm. beginning to fulfill his prophecy, and it's going to continue till the second coming. But in, uh, in, in his letter to Timothy, Paul made a distinction. You know, in Second Timothy, well, actually in First Timothy, he said, the Spirit explicitly says in the latter times some will fall away from the faith. And then in Second Timothy, he talks about, recognize this in the last days, difficult times will come. And he describes what, what it'll look like, which is a truly a frightening picture of what we're starting to see in our world today. Uh, Peter even added other details. He said, mockers are going to come with their own mocking in the end, in the last days, following their own lusts and saying, where's this coming that, that God talked about? So uh, we're seeing the end times uh, ultimately leading up to Jesus' return to earth. Now, uh, we know there's certain events, and they're very specific events God gave, but in general terms, uh, it's going to be a time when the world's going to be uh, going to its own, own devices, its own ends, turning further away from God and becoming more and more unrighteous and uh, wicked uh, with greater senses of uh, disruption, uh, even as Satan gets more actively involved in the affairs of this earth. Uh, so but the, the next event, oh, sorry, I was going to say the next event, though, is uh, the, God's going to take the church away from the earth. Uh, it's, we call it the rapture of the church. Uh, that event is the signal of some very specific things that are going to happen over a very limited time that lead up to Christ's return. Charlie, you just said uh, a ton of really, really important things. And I know there are listeners right now that want to chime into this conversation. They want to join in with their questions. Maybe you're wondering, what difference does Bible prophecy make in my life? Or maybe you're wondering, what role does COVID-19 play in Bible prophecy? Or is the United States even mentioned in Bible prophecy in the end times? It's not every day that we get to have Charlie Dyer uh, an, a noted authority on Middle Eastern history, geography, Old Testament scholar, and a uh, an end-time Bible prophecy expert join us. Talk about the nature of this book that you've put together. What, the Bi- what does the Bible say about the future? What will folks find who pick it up and read it? 
Well, it actually comes out of the uh, radio program we do on Saturdays on uh, the Moody Radio Network. Uh, the we have a question and answer segment, and we have people call in. I have I probably have six hundred to seven hundred questions that have been asked over the last uh, wow. thirteen years. Wow! And 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 yet, how, uh, a ton of them just keep coming back to prophecy. People want to know what the future holds, and I compiled the thirty most significant questions that that keep getting repeated. And thought if, if they're asking that question, then others won't have the same question. So we tried to provide simple answers to the uh, 30 most asked questions that we tend to get on that program. Well, you, you guys have done a great job in doing this. And I'm so glad you brought it to program because it just gives me opportunity to uh, remind people of the land and the book and uh, how, how uh, wonderful that program is. Charlie, what is the main message you want people to get as they work through the book, the questions in the book? What's your hope and their takeaway? Well, I, I hope, first off, that they know that they are in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, uh, that uh, if somebody's reading it and, and doesn't know that, we want them to recognize that God has a plan for this this world and for them. And uh, the most important decision they can make is that eternal decision on what they do with Jesus Christ. Now, for those who have put their trust in Christ, I think the the, the goal is to help them realize uh, God is in control. Even everything we're seeing is part of God's ultimate plan, and they can have hope at a time when the world is, seems to be so hopeless. Anyone can make predictions. What God says about the future is the only thing that matters. I want you to find out more about Charlie, about the book, about the radio program at our website, equipradio.org. Going to take your questions after this. You know, I've heard that for every one person that sends a gift to support Equip, there are probably 10 others that don't. But I can tell you this, we deeply appreciate every single one of you who support this program. Your impact is huge. Maybe it's been a long time since you've contacted Equip, or maybe you've never responded. Isn't it time to call? Here's the number, 888-644-4144 or EquipRadio.org. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. If you want to know more, simply call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. You're listening to a pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. You know, sometimes you may wonder, at least I do, if a particular resource we're recommending is relevant for the moment. There are other times where there is no question or doubt, such as the case as I looked at the news headlines today and saw a New York Times report that simply said this, that teen girls report highest level of sadness and sexual violence in American history. There's a connection between the sexual confusion in our culture, the impact of the LGBTQ movement in our culture, and the historically high levels of sadness reported by teen girls. The evidence is out now. The reports support it. 
That is why I think the book that we are featuring all month long is God Anti-Gay and Other Questions About the Bible and Sexuality by Sam Alberry is such an important book. He writes with a humble pen, but one that points to Jesus and is unashamed of the truth of the gospel. I want to encourage you, get this book. Uh, The life of our teen girls may depend on us understanding the content of it. We're going to make it available to anyone who supports the program. Today, I'm asking for you to consider doing that. 888-644-4144. We'll send it out to you. 888-644-4144. Please call today. Get your copy of Is God Anti-Gay? And other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and sexuality. I want you to have that in your hands. I'm also grateful today to be joined by Bible expert, uh, prophecy uh, authority, uh, Charlie Dyer. He has a book that I would love to put in your hands to answer your questions about the last days, about the end times, and about Bible prophecy. What does the Bible say about the future? 30 questions on Bible prophecy, Israel, and the end times. I want to talk about Israel, if I could, Charlie. I know you love Israel. Talk about the role that Israel plays in the last days. Uh, they become ground zero for all that God plans in the last days. Uh, God you know, called Israel initially, made a promise to them. He never uh, reneged on the promises he made, and those promises are wrapped up in the return of his son as Israel's Messiah and ultimately as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So as the end times move toward fulfillment, uh, the world shifts its focus, and the focus becomes Jerusalem and Israel uh, to a far greater per, uh, percent than it is even now. Uh, but we're going to see the world revolving in that direction, and, and it's amazing how much uh, ink uh, Israel takes up on the uh, the world's uh, newspapers and, and uh, magazines and, uh, and on television, uh, but that's going to increase because uh, it's ground zero. Jerusalem, and within Israel, Jerusalem's the uh, center and within Jerusalem, it's the Temple Mount. It's so much that can be said on that, Charlie. And so uh, it's not without controversy, uh, both politically and prophetically. But I'm so grateful that you don't run from the tough questions in your book. Again, the book is entitled, What Does the Bible Say About the Future? I want to encourage you to get a copy. Find out more at our website, equipradio.org. Charlie, you mentioned the word rapture earlier. Again, another topic, not without controversy. What do you say to those who are critical of uh, our belief in the rapture? How do you explain the rapture? Well, I take people to First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. Uh, whatever they, whatever their belief is, it's it's pretty clear. Paul says there's coming a day. He says when the dead in Christ are going to rise, and then he says we that are alive and remaining are going to be caught up as well. Uh, so Paul says there's a day coming when Jesus is going to come to. Uh, bring the dead in Christ back to life to, to uh, raise their bodies and to transform our bodies. Uh, the word he uses there for, is being caught up with them uh, in in Latin came from uh, rapturo, and uh, that's where we get the word rapture. So uh, the word rapture really is just from the Latin translation of the word he uses there. And so if someone doesn't believe in the rapture, they can call it the great snatching up. But the Bible's clear that day is coming. Now, when it's going to happen and what order in the sequence of events it's going to happen. That's a, a, a topic for debate, and I'm happy to, to debate that with somebody. Uh, but the fact of the, the rapture, the fact of that time coming, 
Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 makes it absolutely clear. That's that's something on God's calendar, and, and I love it. Paul thought it was going to happen in his lifetime. And here we are 2,000 years later. It still hasn't happened, but it's still there on that calendar. I love that you say it, whatever you want to call it, the great snatching up, the rapture, whatever you want to call it, you have to deal with what Scripture tells us will happen. Charlie Dyer is joining me today, Bible prophecy expert. What is this great tribulation that we uh, read about and often talk about? Well, it's called in another place the time of Jacob's troubles, referring to a time for Israel. Uh, in Daniel chapter 9, God gave Daniel a remarkable prophecy. It, it, it involved 490 years of history told in advance. And it started, he said, with a command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And, and the first part ended with the coming of the, the Messiah, the Prince, uh, 483 years. In fact, the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem was the very day uh, that Daniel, uh, that part of Daniel's prophecy was fulfilled. But Daniel had one more week of years, one more seven-year period uh, to, be, to be fulfilled. And uh, that last that last seven years is what we often call the tribulation. It's really that seventieth week of Daniel, and I love it. Whether it's in Book of Revelation, you know, chapters one, two, and three, you have the church, and then beginning in four and five, there's a scene in heaven. Chapter six till chapter nineteen, you have an events taking place on earth, and those events are the events that'll happen in that seven year period. Uh, in Matthew twenty four, Jesus told his uh, uh, announcement of what the future held, and it's parallel to. Uh, 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 Revelation 6 to 19. In fact, and then Jesus says, lest anybody doubt it, he says and at one point, and when you uh, uh, see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, let the reader understand, then let those who are in uh, Jerusalem flee. Uh, and uh, the abomination of desolation is mentioned in the middle of that uh, uh, seven final seven-year period in Daniel 9.27. So uh, whether it's Jesus, Revelation, or Daniel. They say there's a seven-year period coming. It's going to focus uniquely on Israel, and it ends with the return of the Messiah. Charlie, what do you think when you hear about global pandemics like COVID-19? How does that speak to you, if at all, about the last days? Well, what it is, is it to me, is a reminder. Again, I don't think COVID-19 was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, but it was certainly an illustration of how rapidly something can spread and impact the entire world, whether it's a, a supernatural event, a natural disaster, or a pandemic. Uh, and the book of Revelation pictures uh, those kind of events uh, sweeping the world at, in that final seven-year period. Uh, you know, for a while, we'd say, how can that ever happen? It would take years just to uh, have a, a pandemic sweep. And then we suddenly realized in a matter of months, something that started small impacted the entire world. So it was a, a wake-up call on how rapidly things can happen uh, that God said are going to happen in the end times. All of this should impact the way we live. It should impact uh, the way we share our faith with others. So in what way, let's let's get really practical, in what way should this impact the way we live? Well, I, I like how James described it as uh, we shouldn't be saying, well, this week or this month or next year, I'm going to be doing this and that. We're going to go here. Uh, and he said, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Your life's a vapor. I think you know, the reminder to us is that God is in control. Uh, we don't know what the extent of our lives are or what tomorrow holds, but God does. And so a wise way to live is to put our lives in God's hands, to trust him and to make his priorities our priorities, which are living a godly life and being willing to share our faith with everyone around us because we don't know how many chances we'll have to let that person know 
uh, about Jesus' love before it's too late for them as well. You know, as you say that, I, I just want to use this, Charlie, as an opportunity to really remind Christians that it is our job description as believers and followers of Christ to not just trust in him for ourselves, but to call our friends, our family members, our loved ones to trust in him as well. You know, Charlie, over the last several days uh, living in Michigan and, and going through this mass shooting, it is a reminder to me that this world is not our home, that our hearts yearn for something more than just this world in its current state, that we should um, be calling others to faith and trust in Jesus. And so I'm looking forward to the day, the, the day rather, where there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible speaks of that. Charlie, can you just talk a little bit about that? Uh, I can, and uh, what I love is no matter how much we, we try to imagine it, when we get there, I think we're going to say, wow, I never thought it would look like this. Uh, but God tells us there's a day coming when uh, there's not going to be any night. There's not going to be any darkness. There's not going to be any sin. Uh, that we're going to have perfect bodies that will never grow old and die. Uh, there'll be no tears, no sorrow. Uh, he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Uh, the Bible describes it. Uh, I like the idea of having an, a, a body that's not going to be sick and feeble and uh, and uh, uh, infirm since I just had a knee replacement. Uh, it's it's a reminder that uh, everything God intended at his initial creation, he's going to accomplish, and he's going to accomplish it for those who've placed their trust uh, in his son as their savior. So uh, uh, Jerusalem itself, when he describes it, he, he can't even find the words. That is John. Uh, John describes you know, uh, streets of gold that are translucent. Well, I've never seen translucent gold, but evidently that when we get to Jerusalem, that's what we're going to see. He, he describes wow. a city... 1,500 miles on a side and 1,500 miles high. Well, I don't want a penthouse in that city. That'd be a little too high for me, but, uh, you know, five, 600 miles up, that'd be just fine. But how do you even begin to put your, your mind around something like that? And yet when we get there uh, and that new heaven and new earth with the new Jerusalem are there, we're going to say that was a good description. I just didn't have the capacity to understand it. Uh, so it's going to be amazing. You can prepare for that day today by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. To me, to Charlie, that's one of the impacts that Bible prophecy should have on our lives. We're going to take our final break today, but when we come back, there's a couple of critical questions that I love for Charlie to answer, and one of which is, what about this 144,000 that we read about in the book of Revelation? Is that all that uh, Christ will redeem what about Armageddon? We're going to ask those questions as well. Friends, I want you to find out more at our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. There you can find out about Charlie, about the book, what does the Bible say about the future? 30 questions on Bible prophecy, Israel, and the end times, and so much more at equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. So much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. 
As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today, we're talking about what does the Bible say about end-time prophecy. I'm also asking for you to consider standing with us. If the program has been a blessing to you, I'd love for a few of you as friends of the program that have never given before to give today, first-time givers. You know, that makes such a difference. It helps us to know you're being blessed that we're being a blessing. So if you have really grown, really been encouraged through uh, this program, can you call 888-644-4144? That's 888-644-4144. Your gifts make all the difference. So please call today, 888-644-4144. What a blessing it is to have Charlie Dyer with us today. Bible prophecy expert, author, the book is entitled, What Does the Bible Say About the Future? Charlie, let's talk real quickly a couple of questions. Some have said only 144,000 are going to be saved and redeemed. What does that um, mistake come from, and what is that really talking about? Uh, it, uh, it comes from Revelation chapter 7, and uh, there, it, it's interesting, it doesn't refer to uh, just uh you know that total number of believers uh, they are the Jews for Jesus we might say you know Jesus at his first coming had 12 apostles before his second coming he's going to have 12 times 12,000 Jewish apostles and their ministry is not just to Israel it goes to the whole world in fact I love it they're described in the first part of chapter 7 in Revelation and then the last part describes a great multitude it says from uh, every nation tribe people and language who come to faith were before the throne of God uh, these these uh, Jews for Jesus are going to be out witnessing worldwide and bringing an untold number to faith in Christ during that period. So they're actually a wonderful witness uh, during the end time period. Charlie, another quick question. What about Armageddon? What is that referring to? <laughs> well, in Revelation 16, uh, it describes the, uh, the this gathering at Armageddon. I love it. It's, it's a, I call it a one-hit wonder in the Bible. It only occurs that one time, and it's funny, it never even says it's a battle, even though most of us view it as a you know some kind of a worldwide uh, nuclear explosion or something, uh, but what it says is that the Antichrist in his final campaign is going to gather all the armies uh, that he has remaining uh, for his final campaign of conquest. It's his the last place is holding out against him. He gathers him at this hill of Megiddo in northern Israel in the Jezreel Valley, becomes the staging area, and then from there he moves. In fact, Daniel eleven describes the uh, the outcome of the battle. They go to North Africa. They go east and north of uh, the, the Holy Land, Syria, Iraq area. And then it says they come back. He pitches his tent between the seas, the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea, at the beautiful Holy Mountain. Well, that's Jerusalem. And it says that's where he comes to his end because we know when they finally get there, getting ready to wipe out the Jewish people, that's when Jesus opens the heavens, comes back, and his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, and he defeats the Antichrist. So it's the final gathering for this final campaign that ultimately leads to the second coming of Jesus. I want to ask a question, and it kind of plays into the last question. 
of uh, the book and, and maybe a great place for us to land this interview. Why should I trust the Bible? Is it reliable as it pertains to Bible prophecy and as it pertains to all of life? Well, I think the great answer for that is uh, if we want to know if it's reliable or not, look at the prophecies that were related to the first coming of Jesus uh, from his birth in Bethlehem. Uh, to when he rode into Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey, was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, was crucified uh, on, on a cross with his garments divided among the soldiers who crucified him. Every one of those, and, and uh, actually scores more prophecies, were fulfilled not just somewhat, they were fulfilled literally and exactly. And the God who made those prophecies is the God who said, but there's more to come, and he relates it to the second coming of Jesus. So uh, I think we can trust the Bible because God has shown that he's reliable, uh, certainly as he brought Jesus the first time and as he promised to now send him again uh, for the this, this second coming. Uh, in terms of what that should do in our lives, though, that's even the most important question of all, uh, because if the Bible's true, then the qu- ultimate question, the eternal question is, what do we do with Jesus? In fact, I love it. The book of Revelation ends with the Spirit and the Bride, that is the Holy Spirit and this new Jerusalem he's just described, which he called the Bride, saying, come, let him who hears say, come. Whoever hears, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. God says, this is all going to happen, and that means that you're going to have an eternal destiny based on the choices you make today. And right now, God says, I'd love you to come, and it's salvation. Eternal life is a free gift. You just have to receive it. And that's the most important decision anyone listening can ever make. The most important question of all is, how can I become a follower of Jesus? Charlie just laid that out for you. Now the choice is yours, friends. Now the decision is up to you. The Bible says, behold, I set before you life and death. Choose life. That's the advice of Scripture. That's the advice that I give to you today, the recommendation and wisdom of Charlie Dyer as well. Choose Jesus, choose salvation while it is available to you because the day is coming where it will be too late. And I don't want you to miss this great opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do it today. I want to give you a number to dial even as we go off the air. It's 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. There you can ask your questions about Christ, about Christianity, about the gospel, and most importantly, You can have someone walk you through on a personal level how you can give your life to Christ today. Charlie, your gift to the body. I hope you know how much you're appreciated and how grateful we are for you, brother. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. The name of the book is What Does the Bible Say About the Future? 30 Questions on Bible Prophecy, Israel, and the End Times. I know it can feel like a daunting topic, but what Charlie does in his Q&A catechism style, if you will, is make it approachable. It's easy for us to read through these questions to get solid answers on end-time prophecy. And so if you've not done so by now, go to our website and get your copy today, equipradio.org. Until we're together again next time. As always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.
Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, our nation is still so divided over race, and so many parts of the church are as well. But God has called us to be peacemakers. Pastor Isaac Roberts will join me to discuss how we can be bridge builders and good neighbors to the glory of God. Don't miss the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.